It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610 K1A, hour number two on your Tuesday afternoon. Our phone number is 547-1610 if you'd like to get involved. We're also available via email, 610K1A.com, the bottom line page, your name, where you're listening, what you'd like to say. We're on Twitter at Bottom Line 610, Parlor at the Bottom Line 610, and available via the free mobile app on Google Play and the Apple Stores. Rob Francis and Ed Dawson with you and coming up. Around 4.30 this afternoon, we will talk with U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn from the state of Tennessee. Uh, The senator has a new book out. We'll talk about that. And uh, I think we might be able to get her thoughts on the Supreme Court situation as well. I don't know. She's kind of shy. Yeah, a little, little, little shy. But uh, looking forward to talking with Senator Blackburn in about a half an hour. Um, One of the things that we didn't touch on in the last hour that, that I think is important in this discussion is some of the threats, and we alluded to them earlier, uh, by some Democrat lawmakers about options that they may have or what they may do um, if this nominee gets seated. And one of the things that has been floated again, it was floated before during Kavanaugh, and that is court packing. And by court packing, what we mean is Increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court and then seating justices to change the makeup of the court more favorable to uh, whoever happens to be in power at that time. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? No, this is Art here for Kennewick. Uh, uh, one point here is if 200,000 out of uh, 330 million uh, people, that figures out to about one person out of 1,600 have died from the virus. But, of course, there's other things that are entered in. Also, uh, we get to uh, the Supreme Court. You know, Ginsburg, uh, Obama tried to... uh, before his term was up, tried to get Ginsburg to go ahead and uh, uh, give her job up. She wouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, she was probably not really the best of health. She was 83 years old. So anyway, on her deathbed, uh, I guess her granddaughter said that she said she wanted her position to go ahead and be picked by, I think, probably somebody other than uh, President Trump. But it is not her position. It is the people's position. And I really think that, uh, you know, not wanting to say too much bad about Ginsburg, but I, she's kind of arrogant in a way. That is not her position. That is the people's position. And... Uh, Trump has every right to go ahead and fill that. And, of course, the Democrats are going ahead and saying that, uh, you know, he's abusing his power and, uh, you know, like he's a dictator in everything. But 
you know darn well if they had uh, if, if the ball was in their court on that they would go ahead and pick it so you know they're just trying to do everything they can i think to disrupt the country and i'm just hoping that we don't get to a position where after he makes the pick that some of the politicians go ahead and kind of hint around about people hitting the streets and so forth because we are getting that close of losing our uh, our country thank you thanks for the call art uh, that's already been discussed about uh, taking to the streets and so on and so forth. Um, we've seen it already in a couple instances outside some lawmakers' homes, but um, it, it's not accurate to make the 200,000 death comparison to 330 million because there haven't been 330 million cases of coronavirus. There's been just under 7 million. So you you can't take it. You can only use the math with cases that we have, not cases that we don't have. It's not it's not as, as accurate a representation. About the about the same number of people in the state of Washington have contracted coronavirus across the US. Population of the state of Washington is about mm-hmm. seven million. Yeah. So that's you know, for some comparison. Right. If every single person in the state of Washington had coronavirus, yet it's spread out all over the U.S. Right. So, but back to uh, back to talking about. Let me give you a little history on on the, the 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 Supreme Court and the some of the things that we've seen on it because the politicizing of the Supreme Court has been going on oh pretty much since the beginning of the country. Um, John Adams. As he was leaving office, famously reduced the size of the Supreme Court by one because there was a vacancy and he did not want Thomas Jefferson to fill it. Um, The range in seating on the Supreme Court kind of went back and forth. I think it was as high as 12 at one point in time. It was as low as seven. Initially, it was, I believe... Uh, established with a minimum of five, and that was at the beginning of the country. But um, the Judicial Act of 1869 established it at nine, and that's where it sits right now. It was an act of Congress that put it at nine. Congress could act and write a new Judicial Act and change that, but it would have to go through the legislature, it would have to go through both houses, and then the president would have to sign off on it in order for the Supreme Court to be expanded. But the last time this was discussed was um, about 80 years ago, maybe a little more than 80 years ago. And it's where a famous saying came from. This, 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 this particular instance gave, gave birth to a very famous saying that I heard a lot as a kid. You don't hear it too much anymore. But I remember it was something that my grandparents and, you know, their siblings would say, and that was a a switch in time will save nine. And I never really understood what it meant. Never, never really understood what it meant. It was supposed to be some, some thing or whatever, or something they would say as a, as a reminder of, you know, well, a switch in time will save nine. I, I never made sense to me as a kid. Well, that saying came from Franklin Delano Roosevelt's threat to increase the Supreme Court to 15 justices. Yeah. 
he was not happy that many aspects of his new deal were getting shot down by the Supreme Court, which was the last time it was conservative-leaning was before his presidency. A number of pieces of the new deal were shot down by the Supreme Court, threatened to pack it at 15, and some of the justices got a little nervous and changed their standing on some of the other New Deal propositions that were coming forward. So basically, he threatened to minimize their impact. And so the next couple of pieces that came in front, they changed their tune. And that combined with public sentiment, which was very much against Roosevelt doing that, he gave up on the idea of increasing the Supreme Court to 15 But the switch in time by the Supreme Court justices saved the composition of nine, which is where that saying came from. You want another eerie thing? This is the second time this show where I can offer some, I don't call it breaking news, but developing news to interject at just the right time of our conversation. Are you ready for this? Sure. Representative Doug Collins, a Republican from Georgia. Candidate for Senate, I believe. Has just announced that he plans to introduce a constitutional amendment to prohibit court packing. (laughs) (laughs) Prohibit, specifically, to prohibit a change to the size of the Supreme Court until 10 years after enactment of any legislation that would alter the numbers of the seats on the high court. Look, the only risk that that has of happening is, again, if you have all you have both chambers and the presidency in line with one power, but with one party and enough people in that party that don't look at it as political, that they don't think the political backlash will be too big to go ahead with that. You would need overwhelming majorities in both chambers, in my opinion, to do that. And then you would need a president of the same party to sign off on it. I don't think that this is coming down the line. I think this is a threat. I don't think they the sure as heck won't be able to do it if the Senate stays Republican and, the, and President Trump gets reelected. Yeah, it, but I just find it oh, absolutely. funny that... We're talking about it. it. It's almost like this studio is bugged. <laughs> Let's go to the phone. Oh, you've been thinking that for a while. I, yeah. <laughs> it's the, well, it's the conspiracy theory. I mean, let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Pete in West Richland. What's up, Pete? Just an FYI, Blaze TV released a thing where Ginsburg said 15 months ago that it would be a bad idea to pack the court. Yep. Not only did she say that, but in 2016, she said that absolutely the president should put a nominee forward in an election year. Yeah. So, But the left didn't like that either. She said that it was his constitutional responsibility to do that, and the Senate should act. Yeah. That's what she said in 2016. That's right. That's right. Got to take a time out. 547-1610-509-547-1610. You can email us by going to the website, 610kona.com the bottom line page and send us your question or your comment. 
can't get in by phone, give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Back on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. 547 1610 is the number if you would like to get involved. Reach out to locally owned and operated RoofMax today to add 5, 10, maybe even 15 years of life to your current roof. Their state-of-the-art application, which was developed at Patel Labs and at Ohio State University, could give you that comfort zone. They'll come out. They'll take a look at your roof. They'll let you know if you need a new one. But they'll let you know if that application will extend the life of your current roof. And it's 15 to 20% what the cost of a new roof would be. Contact RoofMax today for that free quote, that free estimate, by visiting their website, RoofMax.com. 547-1610, again, the number if you would like to get involved. Um, So it will be very interesting to see what the Democrats decide to do. Um, Because we know the nominee is coming in a couple days. Some things are already leaking out uh, that it is going to be Amy Coney Barrett. Um, we'll see. We, we will. Now, she was definitely one that was being considered. Absolutely. The president already met with her. Uh, there are some that are saying that, you know, she is going to be it based on some political calculations, based on how tenuous her hearing was to be appointed to the federal courts and that some of the things that came up from some of the Democrat senators they believed would not play well in the election if they went down the same road, particularly attacking uh, Judge Barrett's religion and religious beliefs and so on and so forth. Um, There are others that believe that this is a head fake and that this is leaking out now. And if you remember, uh, before Neil Gorsuch was announced, it was widely thought that it was going to be Brett Kavanaugh. Correct. And Brett Kavanaugh was not the nominee. It was Neil Gorsuch. Yeah. Brett Kavanaugh got the next one. Brett Kavanaugh got the next one. So could it be a head fake um, on the part of the president? Sure, it could be. Uh, There are many that think that uh, Judge Barbara Lagoa from Florida will be the nominee because Florida is a, a tighter state. Now, Judge Barrett's from North Carolina, which is also a battleground state. Um, but that Florida and the Cuban-American heritage uh, of Judge Lagoa will go a long way to gain the president some Hispanic votes in Florida and possibly around the country and also help him as far as winning the state of Florida. Um, Those are the two names that seem to be the most discussed. There are two other names that they came out in the last day or so that could be options. So there's four names that are currently circulating. The president says he has a list of five that he's whittled it down to. All of them are women. Um, and we will we will see who exactly it is that he names. And yes, the political strategizing is is happening as we speak, as to which one of those five is going to be um, the best option for the president moving forward. When he left the White House a short time ago on a flight to your old home state uh, for a campaign stop, 
Uh, he briefly met with reporters and they asked him about that selection. And again, paraphrasing, uh, he said that he was very close to making a decision. You know, reading different thoughts and opinions on on particularly the two who have been talked about the most, there are many that believe that that uh, Judge Lagoa is more conservative than Judge Barrett. Um, that Judge Barrett has made some rulings during COVID-19 that some conservatives weren't happy with as far as lockdowns and so on and so forth. But again, it comes back to this. And to me, that says more than just standing by a, a certain aspect. I'll explain more after we go to the phone. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KNA. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Bernie from Kennewick. What's up, Bernie? Hey, um, is either one of you guys... At least 50 years old. <laughs> uh, does close does, count? Does it matter? Does... <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, it would be very interesting, I would find, to listen to news commentator. There don't seem to be any of those around anymore. Paul Harvey, what he'd have to say about all this stuff. I think it would get very interesting. And, of course, I could go back way before your time to a guy named Gabriel Heater. Probably never heard of him, but... He was a rough, grumpy old guy, but Paul Harvey was always interesting. And, of course, he wouldn't ever take calls from anybody. He was just there to comment on everything, on his side of everything, especially. Anyway. Appreciate the call, Bernie. Yeah, uh, a lot, I, 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 I think would, a lot of people under 50 remember Paul Harvey. I, I, I would, I would uh, submit to you that all we have are commentators in the news anymore, especially at the national level. There is so much opinion and takes on the news events of the day. I would say the more, uh, the, the thing that we need more of is just straight news delivery. And we've gone so far, you know, in, in Paul Harvey's day, he was the anomaly. There weren't very many people that were interjecting their opinions and their takes on the news of the day. That's why he was so popular. Now we're flooded with them. So I would actually, with all due respect to Bernie, I would like a return of more actual news delivery and less commentary on the day's news. Just look at the national news scene, whether they are intentionally giving you their opinion or, you know, in the way that their news is delivered, they are offering their opinion. It is so much opinion, uh, and it's ramped up even more, um, again, because it's 2020. Yes, mm -hmm. I've said that about 18 million times now, I know. But that's what I, that's what I would say. I appreciate the call as always, Bernie, and uh, maybe just bringing back Paul Harvey would be an interesting thing to have him and his take on all this nonsense of this year that I would give Bernie that but no there's there's too much political commentary out there get rid of all of it except for this show <laughs> when we come back we'll talk with United States Senator Marsha Blackburn representing the state of Tennessee regarding her new book and uh, hopefully the senator will be able to shine a little light on what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now, particularly around the Supreme Court. 
Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509 547 1610. Welcome back to the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Phone number is 547-1610. We're going to put that on hold for just a few minutes as we are uh, thrilled to be joined by the sitting U.S. Senator from the state of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. Senator, thank you for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it very much. I am absolutely delighted to join you and your listeners. Thanks for having me on. So, Senator, let's talk a little bit about uh, a book that you have written and released that talks about a very interesting subject, one that we've discussed on our program multiple times, and that is being conservative, but also being a woman or being a minority and the response that comes with your um, the acknowledgement of your identity when you happen to be a conservative. What was the inspiration for your book? Well, I have to tell you, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because so many times I would talk to women that were in the public eye. Maybe they were in elected office or, you know, they're in media or they're outspoken in their community. And they would say, you know, there's a double standard as to how women are treated if you're liberal or conservative. And especially the media glamorizes and elevates liberal women and they condemn and mock and ridicule conservative women. And with this cancel culture that is out there, so many women in their workplace would say, you know, I just keep my head down. I don't say a word because I don't want to do something that's going to hurt my career or hurt my family. And I, as I thought about this, I thought, you know, there needs to be a way for women to kind of shore themselves up and to realize they are not alone. There are lots of conservative women out there and there are a lot of women i would be speaking to women's groups and somebody who during q a would raise their hand and they would go oh marcia i'm not a democrat or a republican i i'm an independent i look at the issue and the candidate and then i make my mind up and finally after a few years i started saying tell me what your filter is what i would hear was things like i want somebody that believes in the constitution the rule of law I want fairness and equality and justice for everybody. I want government out of my way. I don't want them making the decisions for me or my children. And I want equal opportunity for everyone. And I realized that basically what people were giving me is a conservative construct. They're center or center right. But they need a way to explain who they are and what they're made of. So and what they believe. And so that is the reason for writing the book. It's very intentional, and it addresses the bias and the prejudice and the preferencing that takes place against conservative women in today's society. The book is called The Mind of a Conservative Woman, Seeking the Best for Family and Country, and the foreword written by former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. Uh, we're talking with U.S. Senator from the state of Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn, here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. And, Senator, um, I'm sure you have experienced quite a bit of this over your political career. Um, but 
what do you see, and, and specifically when it comes in, in the halls of Congress and, and in the nation's capital as well, you know, the media coverage is one thing, but do you see this um, this bias in play in leadership in parties? Um, have you seen it within your own party versus seeing it within the other party? And why does it seem that glass ceilings can only be broken by Democrats? Because that is the way the media, <clears throat> pardon me, and the left represents it. They have a tendency to look at women and say you're a monolithic block. And if you're pro-family, pro-faith, pro-life, pro-business, pro-military, then they don't want to hear from you. So what they do is to kind of block out or squelch those voices of conservative women from the public square. And they elevate the things that are coming to them from the left. So look at all the programming that is on TV today, the uh, mainstream TV. It is programming for women who hold those views of the left. And it is not programming for women who hold the views for the right. Indeed, women who are on the right or are conservatives feel like as they watch some of this women's programming, that their views are challenged. And they're saying, queer is something for me because I don't agree with exactly what they're saying. Or they'll say, you know, I think we all want prosperity for our families and our children, but we have very different ways that we would get there. We have a very different set of values that we would use in addressing this. We're talking with U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn here on The Bottom Line, News Radio 610 KONA. Uh, Senator Blackburn, uh, can that thinking and that uh, that topic that we've touched on with you be carried over into, say, the voting base, where you are a conservative and you are constantly bombarded uh, with things that are that you are not aligning yourself with, And you kind of would rather not deal with all of that because of the double standard. And you don't want to get screamed at by the other side. So you kind of keep to yourself until there's an election. Oh, precisely. And we're seeing that take place now. And indeed, as we are going to have a Supreme Court pick coming before us at Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, we are hearing so much from the left about why we should delay this and not do it. And I talked to a woman this weekend who is not a partisan at all. But she said, I'm not getting why they're saying don't do this now because the president is the president and the Constitution says this is his responsibility. So why would you not do this? And, you know, that's a good thing that people are looking at what they're saying and they're asking those questions. I appreciate that they're doing that. I hope that more people ask those questions because what we want to do is make certain that they're thinking through what the left is telling them as they go and they vote and say, now, is that really what I believe? And what are they going to do if I give them the responsibility, if I'm If I cede some of my rights to them, what are they going to do with those rights? 
Senator, there's a chapter in your book where you talked about during your Senate race against former Governor Bresden uh, about the surprise endorsement that came from singer Taylor Swift to your opponent. Most of us look at celebrity endorsements and we, we don't think much of them. But in your personal experience, do they have more sway than we think they do? Um, or is this is it something that was just an initial shock and it wound up not being as significant in the race as initially thought? I, I think that, uh, you know, it was a surprise to us that she did that because she has always stayed out of the political process. And I've done a lot of work with the entertainment commu- community, the country music and Christian music entertainment communities, and uh, have great relationships there. But Taylor had been advised uh, to support Governor, former Governor Bredesen in this race. So she took the left's talking points. And, you know, I also have a chapter in there, The Stepford Wives of Liberalism, where I talk about how they use the same exact same words and phrases and inflections, and they stay on their talking points. But what she did was to announce to her hundreds of millions of fans that not only was she endorsing Phil Bredesen and getting into the political process, but that I was a really terrible person, in her opinion, and sent that out. What we realized was Tennesseans knew me. They know what I stand for. They know of my work to stop a state income tax in Tennessee successfully working with people across the state to make that happen. And they know of the work that I've put in to defend life and the work that I've done to support businesses by rolling back regulation and taxes. And so her arguments did not hold up. She was also factually incorrect and the way she represented some of those. But I don't think that's Taylor's fault. I think that is the people that put the information in front of her and said these are the things that she has done. But celebrity endorsements, I don't think, are nearly as important as well-informed friends. I call it the network of you. The YOU is the most important network that we have when it comes to news right now because well-informed friends, people that speak up and speak out, and are active in the governmental and political processes. That is who your friends and your church members and your family members go to when they read something on the Internet and they say, hey, is this true? Could this possibly be true? And uh, when they're trying to seek that verification. So um, I, I kind of took that as as it just came and we moved on past. Taylor is a very talented young woman. If she ever wants to discuss issues, I would welcome the opportunity to discuss them with you, with her. And I cover it in a chapter in the book that's called Laws and Sausages and uh, a little bit about how those laws are, are made. We're talking with U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn from the state of Tennessee. The book is called The Mind of a Conservative Woman, Seeking the Best for Family and Country, and available at major booksellers. Now, Senator Blackburn, uh, we mentioned glass ceilings not too long ago. President Reagan shattered one of those uh, when he nominated former Justice Sandra Day O'Connor to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, We now in front of us have another nomination, which is expected to be a woman, at least according to President Trump. 
And if it's anything like the first two hearings that we saw, this is going to be very contentious, and it and it may even get even uglier than Justice Kavanaugh's hearing. Uh, what do you expect to see when the nominee is announced, and do you expect to see whoever the um, female justice is or female judge that is going to be nominated for the next seat, do you expect all things to be thrown out the window and the fact that she is a woman to be forgotten by your Democrat counterparts? Well, a couple of things there. Number one, I think it's important to realize that we are fighting the Democrats, and they're the ones trying to delay the president fulfilling his constitutional duty. They're doing it because they want to pack the court. They want to go in here and expand the court so that they can take away your Second Amendment rights, your freedom of religion, so that they can... um, force you into socialized medicine and so they can keep you locked in your house during coronavirus. Now, that is something that they're planning to do in their 100-day agenda. So the last thing they want us to do is to put a constitutionalist on the court. But this is the president's duty. It is his responsibility to nominate. It is our responsibility to provide advice and consent. Now, To find a time when a president did not nominate in an election year, you would have to go back to 1888 in order to find that current. And we have had 29 election years where a president has nominated a replacement for a Supreme Court vacancy. And 19 of those were when the president and the Senate were of the same party. And we know that we are going to move forward and we're going to do a good job. Those of us on Senate Judiciary are going to do our due diligence. We're going to be very thoughtful and thorough in our process. We are going to do the proper vetting for this nominee. When we get that nominee on Saturday, we'll get right to work. And then we look forward to moving them to the floor for a confirmation vote. And that confirmation, though, right now scheduled for October 29th, about a handful of days before the election, uh, with what we've heard today with Senator Romney coming out and supporting uh, the president's nominee. uh, Do you feel comfortable that the president's nominee will get the full vote of the Senate and be um, confirmed? Yes, we are going to have the vote and we are going to move forward with the confirmation, and we are going to seek a new constitutionalist, textualist, originalist on the Supreme Court. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn, representing the great state of Tennessee. Thank you very much for your time today, Senator. We appreciate it. Thank you for your thoughts on the Supreme Court situation, and uh, best of luck in the fight. Thank you so much. I appreciate being with you. Goodbye. Take a quick time out here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Unpack a little bit of what Senator Blackburn had to say regarding the Supreme Court situation. Because it will be, and uh, I, I think there were a couple of very interesting words she used there at the very end. Hook up with the bottom line on Twitter at Bottom Line 610. Now, back to the show, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. 
of the Bottom Line, News Radio 610 KONA, 547-1610. Just a few minutes left in the program. Thought it was uh, a couple of interesting terms that Senator Blackburn used just a few minutes ago towards the end of our interview, and that was originalist, constitutionalist. That is something that, that that's basically in the mold of Antonin Scalia, the former justice. Um, it is something that many have looked for on the court, those that are willing to look at the Constitution as the document written um, and not reading in as significantly as has happened in some cases in the past. Um, She didn't necessarily allude that that gave one individual an advantage over another. And as we mentioned before, we spoke with Senator Blackburn that there are some that think that Judge Barbara Lagoa from Florida is closer to that originalist and constitutionalist than Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who is thought to be um, the front runner for the position or for the nomination, I should say. Um, we will know for sure on Saturday at 2 o'clock our time who the nominee is. Up until that point, there will be plenty of speculation. Maybe even someone saying they're not interested in being nominated. Who knows? But we know that starting around 7.30, 8 o'clock our time this morning, the news was breaking that Romney would not block a vote on the president's nominee. Um, It's a good thing Jeff Flake isn't there anymore. Because boy could in all kinds of trouble in that case, regardless of who the nominee was going to be. But that notwithstanding, and that's just a, a small A side, the votes are there. And when when we asked Senator Blackburn, do you feel confident that this nominee will get confirmed? She said yes. She didn't hesitate. She did not hesitate. She said yes. So she is very confident that the Senate will be able to confirm whoever it is that the president nominates to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's, or the seat recently held by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, on the U.S. Supreme Court. It's going to be an interesting few days, to say the least. Oh, geez. So what's different? Nothing. It's been interesting... Just about every day since this year began. Well, tomorrow we'll be speaking with a gentleman who wrote a book regarding some of the ongoings in the president's White House. And part of his book goes into General James Mattis' time in the administration. Hmm. And so we're looking forward to that conversation tomorrow here on The Bottom Line. Certainly hope you join us up next It is the day's news with the Afternoon Report.